do you think that the way to beat the tall grass is just to be like eight feet tall? Because I was thinking the whole time, like, hold on. If they just need to keep sight on it, they just have like the world's tallest guy go in there and he's fine. Yeah, well, maybe I guess that's I mean, maybe they got trapped because they're shorties. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the movie's biased it. towards short people. Too. Yeah. Oh, really my is. God. What kind I mean, of what kind of messages are we sending out to the public today? Yeah. You know, the music was actually sending? going to be in the short grass. It's a bunch of tall people who are going to be trapped in the short grass. Uh, it just tangles their feet. They can't move. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing else happens. Just like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm stuck in this yeah. field now. Curse this short grass. Here, in the garden of forking paths, you didn't make any one choice. You made every choice. And they all led back to me. Well, you are listening to Paths of Fear today, the podcast where we take horror movies, we watch it with our audience, and then we talk about it. And we get our audience's response to it as well. That's right. And I'm Ian. Oh, yeah. Also, I'm Marshall. Also- <laughs> On this episode, we're going to be covering In the Tall Grass, a movie directed by Vincenzo Natale. And it's based on, of course, Stephen King and uh, his son, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, Joe Hill. It's mm-hmm. based on their uh, novella of the same name. And Joe Hill's got some good stuff up there, right? Do you want me to start off with a teaser? Uh, Let's go for it. Becky, six months pregnant, is traveling to San Diego with her brother Cal. On their way, they stop by the side of the road due to Becky feeling sick. As they're stopped, they hear a boy yelling for help from within a nearby field of tall grass. Cal hears that the boy is close and goes into the field to get him, with Becky following behind. Finding the boy becomes less and less important, as Becky and Cal realize that they are lost as well. There's something wrong about this place, for they are not lost. They are trapped in the tall grass. Poor dudes in the tall grass. I guess before I get to the summary, uh, what what score did you give this movie? This movie, I had to give this movie a solid 9 out of 10 myself. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. That's pretty good. Uh, I, I give it a 7.5, so that makes our average score uh, 8.25. Our audience was definitely on the, like, I really like this side. It's a 3, a 4, a 6, an 8, two nines, and a 10. So all across the board. So I think they get, they gave it a 7 in total. So there you go. I mean, across the board, uh, pretty good. It's, it, it's interesting because it averages out pretty harshly, but we haven't had two nines and a 10 before. It's very new for us. Uh, mm-hmm. So whoever put in the three and the four, you're ruining it. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, nine out of 10, though, um, I mean, that's a pretty high score. Have you gotten oh, yeah. anything else that scored yet? Uh, I don't think I've gotten that high yet, no. This movie does a lot right that I think a lot of horror movies can definitely learn from interesting is there anything you want to say right now or do you just want to wait until we really get into it let's wait until we get into it let's uh i'll, I'll get into it after the summary because when you start me i just won't stop yeah okay fair point all right i'll leave it at that too so here we go spoilers ahead beware becky six months pregnant and her brother cal are on their way to san diego when they stop on the side of the road due to becky feeling sick as they're stopped they hear a young boy named tobin calling out for help from a nearby field of tall grass His mother, Natalie, tells him to be quiet, to not call for help. Concerned for the boy, Cal and Becky enter the field to look for him, using his voice to guide them. 
Cal and Becky quickly get separated. After Cal can't seem to hear the boy anymore, they attempt to locate each other to meet back up. However, it seems that their positions are changing unnaturally. Panicked, they decide to leave, but they can't find their way to the road. After hours of attempting to find her brother, Becky encounters Topin's father, Ross. While she's hesitant at first, he tells her that he can find her brother and get everyone out of the field. Becky just needs to stay with him and to not lose sight of him. While Becky is following Ross, Cal stumbles across a bruised and dirty Tobin holding a dead crow. Toby tells him that the grass doesn't move dead things, and he buries the crow in the path. At this point, Becky loses sight of Ross as she stumbles across some personal belongings in the field, which give her a terrible feeling. Soon after, Becky is attacked by someone in the grass. At the same time, Tobin tells Cal that Becky will die soon, and that the rock told him that. Cal asks Tobin to lead him to Becky, and Tobin says that he can show Cal how to find her. He leads him to a large, mysterious, and unnatural-feeling rock in a clearing within the field. Tobin tells him to touch it so that he can find Becky. But before Cal can touch it, he hears Becky scream and rushes back into the field, while Tobin yells after him that it's too late. Sometime later, the father of Becky's child, Travis, arrives looking for her and Cal. He comes across their car, along with some other cars parked along a small and abandoned church across the road from the field of tall grass. He investigates the car, which seems to have been there for a long time, and he finds a book that Becky had dropped outside the field. He enters the field looking for Becky, and despite his attempts to leave a trail of knotted grass, he too soon finds himself lost. As day turns to night, Travis stumbles across Tobin, who seems to indicate that they've actually already met, and that he knows where to find Becky. Travis tells him to lead him to Becky, and while initially resistant, Tobin complies and leads him to Becky's corpse. As Travis mourns over Becky, Tobin disappears, and Travis can no longer find him. Distraught and lost, Travis falls asleep near Becky's body. After he awakes, he hears people outside the field and calls out to see if someone's there. Tobin, outside the field and with his parents at the nearby church, calls back asking who's there and doesn't seem to recall ever meeting Travis. Tobin's dog Freddy runs into the field of grass, and despite Travis yelling that they shouldn't come into the field, the family runs in after him. Travis hears Tobin calling out for Freddy and begins to look for him. Ross and Tobin's mother, Natalie, become separated, and Ross stumbles across the clearing of the rock and touches it. While Travis is looking for Tobin, he hears Becky and Cal calling out for each other the way that they did when they initially entered the field. Tobin also calls out that his dog Freddy died. Travis calls to Becky and Cal and tells them to move toward Tobin's voice, knowing that the grass doesn't move dead things. The four meet up, and Travis tells Becky and Cal that they have been missing for two months, even though they've only just become lost. Travis puts Tobin on his shoulders and sees if he can see the way out. He spots a building in the distance, and the group begins to move towards it. While they walk, Becky receives a phone call from someone warning them not to keep making the same mistake. Becky then falls unconscious and has a vision of the grass entering her uterus and encircling her baby. Cal and Travis go to help her when Ross appears, pushes them away, and revives Becky using CPR. He reunites with Tobin and says that they'll find Natalie and that he knows the way out. However, rather than finding his wife or leading the group out of the field, Ross leads them to the rock and urges them all to touch it. But before anyone can touch the rock, the group is confronted by Natalie, who warns them not to listen to Ross and not to touch the rock. She also claims that she saw Becky's corpse earlier. Travis tells Ross that they're going to go their own way, but Ross tells them that they don't have a choice. With no other option, Travis attacks Ross and tells the others to get out of there. 
Ross then pins him to the ground and dislocates his shoulder. As Natalie runs to the others, Ross grabs her and crushes her head between his hands, saying that all flesh is grass. Travis and the others manage to run back into the field. Tobin's dog, Freddy, reappears in the field, and Tobin chases after him as the others follow close behind. Freddy leads them to the building that they had seen before, and though it's still within the field of grass, they can take shelter there. They barricade themselves inside, and while they're figuring out what to do next, Travis and Cal get into an argument over what's best for Becky. Their argument is interrupted, however, as Ross arrives at the building, and the group makes their way to the roof and closes off the roof hatch. While looking from the roof of the building, Travis and Cal can see that the road and church are only a little further through the field. They also see Freddy escape the field and get to the road via some sort of path or hole in the field. While looking, Travis slips off the roof, and while Cal initially catches him, he impulsively lets go of him due to his hatred for Travis. Tobin, seeing this, flees into the field when Ross climbs up to the building's roof. Cal and Becky start following after Tobin, but Becky refuses to leave Travis, not knowing what happened to him. Cal flees, but is caught and strangled to death by Ross, right next to countless other corpses of Cal. Travis, who had survived the fall, awakes and searches for Becky. While they can't see each other in the field, they talk about the baby, and Becky admits that she was going to San Diego to give it up for adoption, but she has now changed her mind. Soon after, Becky is attacked by Ross, but escapes by stabbing him in the eye, and a thunderstorm begins. Becky is confronted by grass creatures who carry her to the rock, which has prophetic marks relating to her pregnancy. Becky makes a phone call pleading to her past self to prevent Cal from hurting Travis, to not make the same mistake again. As she screams in pain from contractions, the ground underneath the rock opens, revealing roots that turn into humanoid figures reaching towards her. She passes out and wakes up to Cal, who squeezes water into her mouth and is holding her baby. She goes back to sleep and wakes up to Cal feeding her what he calls grass, but are actually parts of her baby. Becky realizes that Cal is actually Ross. Tobin finds Travis and tells him that Ross killed both the baby and Cal and is going to keep killing them over and over. They are confronted by Ross, who mortally wounds Travis. As Ross forces Tobin to touch the rock, Becky manages to attack him and scratches out his other eye before dying from her wounds and Travis manages to kill Ross. Travis then decides to touch the rock, despite Tobin telling him that it'll mean he can't leave. After seeing strange visions from the rock, he grabs Tobin's hand and guides him to an exit, instructing him to stop Becky and Cal from entering the field of grass. Tobin emerges from within the church across the road as Becky and Cal are about to enter the grass, and convinces them to stay out by showing them Becky's necklace that Travis gave him, hence closing the loop. Becky decides to keep her baby as they drive back home. Travis listens to them leaving and dies within the field. Sweet. Nice. Some good stuff. Do, I can't remember. Do we actually see him die in the field? I thought it was just kind of implied he was lost in the field forever. I mean, he he's lying there in the field. And I'd have to imagine he dies because there's nothing else for him to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine he lived. I'm just curious what other adventures he'd have left in the grass um lots of grass yeah he could he could count the grass <laughs> i'd be fine what what do you think of the beginning like uh from the beginning we immediately see just the first the call to action is just super quick like we're not introduced much to these characters um it's really easy to believe even that um becky and cal are boyfriend and girlfriend husband and wife 
Uh, I think that's kind of what we presume because she's pregnant and he's driving. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's revealed to us that they're brother and sister later. Or you can kind yeah, of pick and, up on that. And actually, uh, I, I did pick up on that because they started talking about mom and dad. Yeah, that's right? that's the earliest and, you can pick up on it, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and you're right because you do certainly initially think they are uh, husband and wife. I, I actually did write down on my notes that the song starts with a love song playing as they're mm-hmm. as they're driving. Um and I think that this hints at the I don't know, that there's some implicated incestuous feelings mm-hmm. later in the movie, uh, as Travis and Cal get into an argument over what's best for Becky. Yeah. Um so that 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 is quite interesting that they decided to open open the movie with that. I I I do really like the beginning of this movie. They not only manage to sort of get us into the grass quite quickly, right? They don't need a whole lot of setup for it. But also, it's always really interesting when you have a main character at the beginning of the movie who then dies. Um, even if, in this case, they come back to life, but you start with a character who then dies a lot sooner than you would you would think right no i agree it's uh it's interesting because so i think slashers are the very kind of um i think as far as horror storytelling goes they're kind of the building blocks in a manner um they're the easiest to kind of look at and see this is how the story is constructed and one thing slashers do that i think a lot of other great horror movies do um and this one does it very well is they do what i would call a blood sacrifice in the beginning we see our our group of uh, survivors, uh, not survivors, but our group of kids partying or something, or in this case, we see our two main characters, and we watch them just get cut up or something. And that's kind of what they do here, um, because then they cut to who ends up being more so our protagonist, Travis, later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they did was they gave us a weird kind of blood sacrifice, like, look, people have been lost in the grass before, while still letting us maintain those characters, but also feeling like, Oh no, those characters are gone. Like they, so they were both used throughout the movie and used for a really interesting setup, which I think it was expertly done. That, yeah, that is quite interesting. Tobin, do you, uh, the our child was saying it a lot. Everyone watching was saying it. Um, but that kid is a really good actor. I was really impressed. Um, I don't know how he does it, but like in the beginning, his eyes just tell you like this kid is creepy. Like I do not want to be this kid's friend. Um, yeah. And especially it's so interesting, too, because not only does he look incredibly creepy when you first meet him and it's, you know, Dirty Tobin who's touched the rock. Yeah. Right. Um, but it's also uh, he's also able to then play later Tobin, who's looking into the field, hearing Travis calling out his name and he looks freaked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's exactly. Able to play sort of both the ki- the innocent kid and then the uh, sort of field veteran kid yeah it's crazy he does like that kid is does a really great job i'm curious where like what other work he's gotten since this because he he should be in some other stuff that was some quality quality acting yeah it it was it was definitely uh it was quite good um i i also like uh sticking with the setup of the movie first of all you have an old church right yeah and there's nothing else around there's a road there's a field and there's a church with cars parked around it and it's very old looking church doesn't look like anyone's there not only does this show us that or make us ask rather why are there cars there (laughs) especially 
uh, progressively older ones uh, when no one's there. But also, it does sort of establish this uh, sort of themes of religion that we see throughout the movie. Yeah, I I agree. We do see some religious themes, and what I like about the church as well is that natu- like naturally in a horror movie, a church, especially just a worn down, broken church like that, is it's not the sanctuary that it becomes later. It's that's the point of focus of like this is where the bad stuff's happening. In reality, it's the regular looking field across the way. Um, so it kind of flips you on your head there of natural expectations. Yeah, and and of course later in the movie, Tobin actually comes out of the church to freedom yeah it was a uh, some really great stuff and um the church when we go in the church travis goes in the church i believe and tobin is in there um mm-hmm. it's lit up green which was really interesting uh and i think that speaks to how the church is almost a bit of an extension of the grass um just color scheme wise it the grass still has a hold of something there it can interact over there like because travis does send tobin there um seemingly by the will of the grass or something um but i think that's an interesting way of speaking to like its reach is actually out here as well yeah Um, because it's just so harshly green when you enter that space now when when they actually enter the field right uh I, i think it i think they do a good job changing the tone of the movie because, of course, Cal and the audience knows that something's going to happen here. I mean, the movie's not called In the Tall Grass for nothing. We know that this tall grass is trouble. But they, they do a good job because, of course, Cal is, um, you know, he, he goes in there. He's like, Cal to the rescue. You know, I know this kid's only like 10 feet into this field. I'll just grab him and take him out, right? And yeah. you can see the sort of progression of realizing that you two are lost. And, and the sort of panic that sets in. And especially when Becky says, uh, essentially, all right, let's forget about the kid. This is about us now. And and I think that's uh, that's that's quite the turning point there where you really realize that you you got to get out of there. You know, yeah. it's now become survival. I'd agree. Yeah, it's uh, you do feel like they no longer are in there for the original objective of saving other people. They realize they're in danger. Um and what I find interesting is when the when the father comes by and he tells everyone, like, hey, I know the way out, the, we're ready to believe that. On Like, maybe the audience is a bit skeptical, but, like, it's you're ready to believe it because uh, while they're technically adults and we do have a pregnancy, everyone is still a kid, very obviously. There's not mm-hmm. there's not any full-fledged adults. He's one of the two full-fledged adults we see in the movie. And... Uh, yeah, he's not true. he's not the prime example of an adult you could say um uh, he he's just a very friendly um and authoritative person yeah he's got things figured he he, he comes yeah. off as maybe a bit like a a bit narcissistic almost um but oh, definitely confident and uh definitely kind of has his head in the right place seemingly um yeah and I was talking to some other people and they would disagree. They were they were skeptical of him from the beginning. But the first time I watched it, I thought he was just going to be like kind of your basic dad character. You know, I thought he was going to be a sacrifice somewhere in the movie. Um, the grass got him and that was going to be terrifying because, oh, my God, he's so strong. How did it get him? Uh, but they wanted they they changed that entirely. They did not well, do that at all with him. And the interesting thing is, right. Uh, um, 
and and I, I would agree that you don't actually know and and i think that this definitely depends on the kind of uh, on who you are on what you think about this guy but i would say when you first see him when he uh stumbles into becky in in the field or i don't know if he stumbles on her or he purposely finds her uh, earlier in the movie but he comes across her and he's like all right we're gonna get y'all out of here we're gonna find cal and get out of here just stick with me kid right yeah i mean he he doesn't seem like he, he obviously he has still that there's still some suspicion there because he's a stranger uh and 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 you do see that in becky of course she's a little suspicious and hesitant at first but at the end of the day he's like uh, you know he's friendly and he's saying hey uh, we'll we'll get out of this and all that and he, and 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 the movie doesn't even reveal that that he's bad news um in this part of the movie mm -hmm. before Travis arrives uh and in fact when Becky gets attacked it's a little weird to me because if you look back at the scene where she she screams she like turns around to see Natalie so we don't really know how she died uh until of course we find out that she was killed by Ross at some point. Yeah, it's uh, th what they did with the whole moving around through time. Those that was crazy stuff. I feel like uh, I feel yeah. like that. It took a moment to catch on, but when you realize that, like somehow, that they're not only moving around in space, but they're moving around in time. That mm -hmm. was just like mind blowing. It was, uh, and like all the, all the logistics that go into that, like because it shows in the movie that that you're like creating multiple instances of someone because they're inhabiting the same space, but like different times. Um, but also yep. like the same, it's just so freaky. It's so freaky. Um, yeah, but they do a great job with it. I never feel like, a like, I feel like it would have been easy to feel obliged to have like Becky meet Becky or something or, um, like evil Ross meet like before the touching the rock Ross. Um, I feel mm. like I feel like it would have been easy to try to do something like that. And I feel like that would have kind of hurt the movie. It would have made it about time travel more than it was about this weird cult of the grass. Yeah, because it, although it had time travel, it wasn't really about that. That was more sort of a a a permanence of it, like like to show the permanence of it. Yeah, it was just um, it was a rule of the world that made it a much scarier place yeah. to be. Uh, it is open, but I, I think that's purposeful, like you can piece it together but like you said at the end of the day it's not really about the time loop it's it's about the grass yeah it's a it's about this weird happening it's not uh the time loop is just part of it um yeah one thing that left our audience a little bit like perplexed was the fact that we see tobin in the beginning creepy tobin uh mm -hmm. touch the rock and he he looks like he's getting all high off and he's like oh some, some good rock right there um mm -hmm. and but we never see Tobin evolve to that point again, which I think there's two ways to look at. It. I think it can be really perplexing. Um, like, well, mm -hmm. then why didn't that ever happen? But I think it can, it better speaks to the fact that just because we see, like just because we're interacting with quote unquote future instances, doesn't mean that's the outcome every time. Like it can be changed, mm -hmm. um, which it was very important to establish because had that not been established, none of like everything kind of would have fallen apart just super quickly. Um, cause otherwise you're caught in more of a groundhog day 
time loop, I want to say, where like this it's just bound to happen like this and this and this. Um, rather than the rock is kind of manipulating you, it's just you everywhere and yep. throughout time and space. And and of course there's so many ways to to look at at why that would be the case. One one of the ways to look at it is uh maybe the time loop looped tons and tons of times before Travis ever got there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, maybe Travis was the thing that changed it. Maybe he changed the way that the time loop, you know, getting everyone to meet back up. Um, maybe that's why it's open to touch the rock. Another way to look at it is, of course, uh, you sort of have uh, consecutive happenings where you have a scenario one, which causes scenario two, which causes scenario one, where, uh, you know, Tobin, uh, you know, they end up meeting back up with Travis and then eventually they all get killed Tobin touches the rock and then that causes the first scenario where they never actually meet back up there are definitely ways that you can explain it i i am actually a really big fan of of time loops um that's why dark is my favorite series of all time no pun intended <laughs> uh but uh, just messing with time is really cool and it can be very rewarding um when it's done correctly and i think this movie I think it did it well because it didn't explain it. it. It left room for it to make sense, for it to be possible. Uh, but at the end of the day, it didn't really have to explain it. I'd say my only complaint is that it's not completely obvious what caused the time loop to to collapse. Like, I know it's because Travis touched the rock and got Tobin out of there, who kept the other two, kept Becky and uh and uh cow from going in but i don't know why that was different this time there's no explanation for that i'd agree i think the one issue uh that i would take with the movie is yeah travis touches the rock and he he's still like he still has his own intentions his own kind of will whereas when tobin and the dad were touching the rock they kind of became servants of the rock so what makes travis different why why is he unique in that um yeah and specifically why did he do it this time right yeah. if he was in that time loop before if you like and see i don't take too much issue with that because at some point it does have to break and it's just like little tiny experiences along the way can make you do something different mm. um maybe they never beaten ross before or something i don't know but um it's uh yeah i I do wish that we would have seen some kind of manner uh, of saying the rock can be resisted to an extent um mm-hmm. And I think I, I know I said I didn't want the characters like meeting each other because I would have made it too much about time. But I think the one exception would have been if they had two Rosses come meet each other. We had the evil Ross and we had another Ross that had touched the rock, but was still himself. He didn't give in to the rock. Um, and maybe he 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 tried to come help some people out. He tried to come save the day some um, an evil Ross killed him. It would have been good to set that up so that we understood the rock can be resisted. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, also, I guess you do have characters interacting with themselves. Uh, there's one occurrence of that because, of course, Becky calls herself to warn herself. Yeah, and um, I, I was okay with that because that's that's. I think that's kind of a classic move in a manner. Um, the yeah, phone well, call it's, it's from one of those. Yourself. Yeah, it's one of those things where not only does the character not understand it at first, but neither does the audience, and then they find out later yeah. what it means. And and that's 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 cool. Yeah, um, I can I can get behind that. 
yeah it, it is it is weird how travis i mean obviously it seems he he can't leave uh i don't know if that's he doesn't really want to leave um so it, it would be nice if they showed us something to show how he's resisting or why you know if it's his love of becky or their child and his will to like get them to stay out like they just need to show us that um, yeah to I show agree. us what's powering him because i mean you could say well the reason ross couldn't is because you know he's a a crappy real estate agent and real estate agents suck <laughs> like okay <laughs> like i think uh i think if they did introduce us to an alternate version of ross um I think that alternate version of Ross would have been well introduced with his wife. And it was he like this version we see found his wife and they grew some kind of attachment together. They had like a deep conversation that helped their marriage or something. And so therefore you kind of see it's the feeling of companionship that helps you resist the rock. Um, that would be that would be interesting because, of course, what we do know is that there is something about connections to people within yeah. this field. Uh, Tobin alludes to that earlier in the movie um, when, when he says that uh, something to that effect of, uh, you know, we're connected, you know, I think to Travis, uh, mm -hmm. we're, we're connected. Um, and so, yeah, to, to sort of show that uh, with. Um, and, and they did. They did show that between Travis and Becky in their conversation uh, they were talking about um, the baby, and and Travis was saying how he had he had fucked up, and uh, and and that you know he he should be there, and that um, you know he he wants to be a father and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know they have that deep conversation, and they start their hands start reaching out to each other, and uh, they almost touch. Yeah, so they almost find there's each that other. connection. Yeah, it's pulling them together, even though they're. Uh, lying down staying completely still and yeah i, I think that the hands connecting like that was kind of a bit of the preset of saying this is why travis is different i feel like it just wasn't quite mm -hmm. enough um yeah yeah i i i'd agree uh one thing that they did that i thought was really great was uh ross is trying to give them the soft cells what he calls it. he's trying to convince them to all touch the rock because he's like the rock is great and you're gonna love it and they're just like i don't know ross that rock doesn't look very nice to touch and uh which, like, if it were me, honestly, uh, I wouldn't think much of The Rock, and I'd just be like, I'll touch The Rock if it'll make you shut up, dude. Because I, I wouldn't think The Rock would possess my mind like that. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'd have just been like, this guy's just crazy. So I would have been pretty screwed. Mm -hmm. um, but his wife shows up, and he's like, he asks his wife, Natalie, like, what are you doing here? Um, he's he's all, he's kind of flustered by it, and then he says, like, well, The Rock wouldn't have brought you here if it didn't have intentions of that. Showing the rock has some kind of will. Um, at least he's assigning it some mm -hmm. kind of will. But I like to think that in a weird way, it's kind of alive. Um, mm -hmm. And the fact that it made a decision, it made the decision to bring Natalie there at that time, which I think is crucial because it shows that it's a force that makes decisions and therefore it is fallible. Like you can, you can kind of outwit it in a way you can, there's a chance that you can play against it. Um, mm -hmm. It's it, like, it, it's, it's a living thing that can make fallible decisions. Um, and I think that's very important to introduce to show that they can win. I guess it also does show that it can be uh, overpowered. And I guess that's through those connections, right? Uh, I, I think you can say that Natalie got there 
because she wanted to protect Tobin or something. Yeah, it's I, possible I that she that beat it, the rock like that. She yeah, it, it must have been some connection or or uh, something like that. Yeah. Um, I was thinking more. The rock thought it was a good decision because it would drive them to touch the rock somehow. But that's actually also a really good point that she could have been feeling like I really need to get to my son. I need to protect him. So that's why she got there. Um, yeah, like, like she could hear Ross doing the soft sell and she mm -hmm. had to she had to intervene. Uh, I I got to say with Ross, I love the writing they gave for Ross. He sounds even like in his really scary, creepy moments, he maintains Ross and you can just simply tell that the way he taught or the it's really just his behavior that makes him different but like throughout the whole mm -hmm. thing he's still kind of that like a uh bit narcissistic really just overly confident guy uh that thinks he's got it figured out over everyone kind of a stereotypical alpha male figure um and he yeah. maintains that it doesn't but it, it doesn't like it amplified it doesn't that aspect of him doesn't necessarily like turn evil. It's just kind of being used for evil, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. And now I would agree. I like his dialogue the best. Of any yeah, character. Just, he just delivers it really he, well. Just the way he talks uh, is. Yeah, it's great. It's quite well done. Uh, and that scene where he squishes Natalie's head, dude, that was. Uh, did you did you have to turn away when she got the squish? I think I usually would have turned away, but I, I forced myself to look. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm probably the same that like, oh, God, dude. Well, I, I don't mind zombies because like if you like even like cut open a zombie's arm, uh, it's dead. It doesn't matter. But like you do the same thing to a person like I, I just feel it. I feel it in my veins and it kills yep. me it's just seeing it happen to the living. Yeah, I, and I think a lot of people. Uh, can get that feeling where if they see something horrible done to someone else, uh, they, they, they may not be able to feel it per se, but they definitely think about feeling it. <laughs> and that can be disturbing. It, it's just, it's like nails on a chalkboard. It's just awful. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I did watch that. This is an interesting thing. And I have no idea if this is just pure coincidence, but you know, the, um, sort of the, the hear no evil, speak no evil, um, you know see no evil? evil, is it? Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting to me because um, you see Ross, so he kills he kills Natalie by crushing her head uh, from, from the side, so over oh, her ears. Like, okay. it looks like he's uh, keeping her... At first, it looks like he's just, like, preventing her from hearing the way that he's cupping her head then he crushes it then the next person he kills is cal who he strangles now he he doesn't manage to kill anyone else um in uh, before he then dies and he is stabbed in the eye that's... he stabbed once in the eye and then he stabbed again in the eye that's interesting so yeah. you've got uh again you've got the sort of hear no evil speak no evil and I guess see no evil. I don't know if that's even correct. But yeah, it's I, the, I thought that was interesting. It's the three wise monkeys: see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Um, I know that's that's a really interesting thing to notice. I didn't uh, I didn't catch wind of that. Um, yep. and, and again, it, I have no idea if it's a coincidence, but uh, I thought that was interesting. It, could be. it uh, it makes his whole thing about when he loses one eye, he says like, uh, and 
He's all like, yeah, your girlfriend stabbed my eye out, but eyes just make this place confusing. He says something along those lines. Um, They're just mm-hmm. distracting here. Um, But it speaks to him just being kind of flawed in his thinking there, if that's the case, because without sight mm-hmm. is how he lost the fight. And without sight, how um, vulnerable is he to like the rock and like the evil that is the rock? Uh, if we're going off that kind of see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil metaphor, which is interesting. I like that a lot. It ties really well into it. And while, uh, I mean, in, in sort of sticking to that, I guess, uh, r- religious themes, um, of course, this guy, Ross, he, uh, he he's like a grown-up church guy. Yeah, he grew up in a gospel band. Yeah, and the way, the way that he starts talking about the rock and everything, um, he sounds kind of like a... Uh, like a tv preacher oh for sure like yeah he just sounds he sounds like he's selling it to you yeah and that uh, you know that this rock will save you essentially you know save your soul um so yeah i and and of course along with all of the uh sort of elements of sort of cult with within the grass i think adds to that sort of feeling so i i wonder i mean do you have do you know why this movie sort of brings in those themes uh if it's coming from i know stephen king delves into religion a lot i'm currently watching the stand and that's 100 percent just like god versus satan essentially um and i think i think religion is really easy for horror to delve into because of the especially like we see older stories adapted the nature of the way our country is founded it's based a lot on religion um so a lot of people have those kind of values and those beliefs uh, rooted deeply in them so when you start mm-hmm. touching on those you're going to be hitting that kind of uh, you're going to be hitting that note with an audience quite quite easily I, I think it's not too hard to get there yeah i i guess uh, you know a lot of the a lot of people have been in their top priorities you know family uh and and faith yeah, exactly speaking of family um so Travis enters the grass two months after Becky and Cal have been missing, which to them seems like a day or something, um, mm-hmm. just because of all the weird, confusing time. Well, but, actually, less than a day, because they, they enter the grass, and within minutes, they hear Travis. Oh, why do they? So yeah, it was... But but nonetheless, Travis Travis decides to go look for them two months later, um, where, mm-hmm. let, let's say, Becky and Cal reach their destination in San Diego. The baby would have been long gone. Um uh travis though after two months of them missing he decides like i need to go find becky i need to help her and then there you could argue it was he came to the conclusion that he wants to keep the baby with her before the grass but definitely sometime within the grass at at least uh we see them have that conversation about let's have this kid together um he admits he made a mistake and he wants to he wants to be the father of the child um when he sends Tobin back to stop the time loop, to stop them from ever entering, those two months don't pass. They don't have all that experience in the grass. Presumably, there's still a Travis out there um, whose mm-hmm. pregnant girlfriend just left town for San Diego uh, yesterday or something. So when she goes back and sees Travis, how, I, I'm, I'm curious, does Travis feel the same way right now? Like, Or does he not have that experience under his belt and he's still the old Travis? The one that wants the baby to be aborted and doesn't really want to be the father. I'm I'm curious to see like how that would have ended up. Yeah, and that that's an excellent question. 
um, because certainly it's possible that uh, obviously just having time, right? Having two months to think about it is a lot by itself, but also having two months and then suddenly your pregnant girlfriend disappears. That's a whole nother thing. Uh, so yeah, that's a really good question. If, if Travis really is uh, willing to, to step up on the outside of the grass, yeah. even though he was willing to step up on the inside. Um, and I, I, I think that it's okay to leave it open-ended. I think it would have been cool to like see that almost resolved in the credits. If they wanted him to end up taking the baby anyways, maybe show some like family photos of them growing up or something. Um, if they did decide that the better way was to have him not want to be the father still, like kind of ended it like a tragedy. Um, to have like a phone call play of like Becky saying like, Travis, it's me. Uh, I want to raise a kid. And he's just like, sorry, Becky, that's stupid. And well, <laughs> I think I think another way you could have done it, right? If you do want yeah. to go with the credits approach, I think another way that you could have taken it is, hey, actually, Becky just wants to raise this baby by herself. Um, oh, okay. And so maybe in the credits you see pictures of her raising this kid, and Travis just isn't there. And I that's... mean, after all, he did sacrifice himself, and assuming that Travis and the outside didn't change, then that's a, I think that's a good way you can end it. It's a little sad, but uh, no, I'd say it's so. also happy. You could also kind of combine it, like have a few birthdays go by without Travis in any pictures, and then he shows up later or something. Um, nonetheless, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, de I definitely wouldn't have added any scenes to the movie or anything to say Travis stayed or something, because um, I think it opens with them driving up to the grass and it closes with them never entering the grass, driving away. So I think that the way it ended was well done, nonetheless. Um, I'm curious as to what happens to Tobin. <laughs> Sorry, my parents walked into grass and they got lost. Um, I swear this couple didn't abduct me. Or like this brother and sister well, didn't. Hey, I mean, if we're still talking about ending credits, maybe just have him like next to the kid and now she's raising two kids. Yeah, exactly. That's probably what ended up happening. But the, just... the weird part here is that we had it sort of revealed, at least it seemed like it was heavily implied that Cal had incestuous feelings for Becky. So... Is that, I mean, that's not resolved now. So it's, I assume it's still there. You presume so it's still that, there. That's it's, a little weird. And yeah, it's all, and before he's like kind of bottling it up, it seems, or denying that it exists. So like, I would just presume that it continued happening, but I can't think of how that ever would have been resolved. As, a, as gross as kind of his feelings are for his sister, that or his seeming feelings for his sister, we never really confirm that he has those feelings. No, we don't. But, um. I think know it, that he hates Travis. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he was willing to murder for his sister, which is, that's a bit much. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the way they get away with that is that he at first does grab him and then impulsively lets him go. Like, yeah. it's not sort of a a thought out No, it's murder. not premeditated. It's definitely yeah. just in the moment. Yeah. Um, he... But I think it did add a lot to the story. It gave Cal a lot more reason to be so invested like he is. Um, cause, and that, like, I'm, I have like a strong brotherly instinct. I always want to protect my sister. Um, but there's also an extent to which I think any older sibling or any sibling whatsoever does kind of create that distance between their sibling and them. Um, even in a life and death situation, uh, 
maybe not maybe not so much life in that situation but i feel like there's always that kind of distance he was weirdly close for a brother so that was kind of the only way to explain it um it just it made sense the way they did it so while i find it disturbing i'm not angry with it yeah and again i I guess that's why they had to open up with a love song to sort of show this uh uncomfortable um closeness Mm -hmm. but although i mean ignoring like these sort of hints that they dropped uh, a brother driving his sister to help her get her kid adopted is just a good brother (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) i guess just in this case it just happened to be a uh a weird brother um well we don't have a crazy amount of time yet we have a lot of surveys to go though do you want to go and get started there is there any last things you want to say before we hop onto the surveys i did write down a quote from the movie in the land of forking paths, you didn't pick one. You picked them all. And that leads back to me. I like that. That, that was a really that, great line. That That's what, yeah, That this is what Ross told Cal uh, right before he killed him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was saying, like, you, well, you, he was, like, saying, you think you should have gone left or turned right or just kept running. Well, you did all of those. And I still found you. That was, that was a really cool scene. Yeah, and especially just i feel like that can apply to a lot of horror movies and i mean it's also just describes the movie as a whole right because you decided to go into this field and brought all this horror upon you and it's just what you decided to do and that's what happened um 100 percent. oh and also <laughs> i mean it's another movie and I won't disclose what previous movie we watched where this also happened, but this is the second movie we've watched where people have eaten a baby. So I don't know what that's about. No, um, I actually, I don't, I don't think a baby was eaten. I think that they were trying to sacrifice the baby, but I think Cal was feeding Becky herself. I think he was scooping out her organs and feeding them to Becky. Like a different instance of Becky. See, I don't think so. I think, think what so? happens. I mean, listen to what he says right when he takes that baby out. He he's like, you know, ah, perfectly cooked, right, fresh from the oven. Um, and you barely see the baby, and then you have him feeding her stuff, which he claims is grass. Which, of course, he said it on, earlier in the movie. Ah. Uh, you know, uh, flesh is just grass, right? Um, and he's he's feeding Becky this this flesh. And he also asks if it tastes like her, not to say that it is her, but to say that it's her baby, which should taste like her. And then afterwards, you see sort of a blurry vision of the um, of like what the baby was wrapped in, except it's all bloody and sort of. Oh, empty. OK. I didn't catch so, that. I just looked it up and she's eating her stillborn baby, which is like, wow, that's brutal. It also yes. says we realize I actually that Cal is Ross. Like, whoa, I, I may have just missed that. I may have looked away for a moment. Oh, um, yes. Yes. So Cal, it was quote unquote Cal, mm-hmm. but it was actually Ross. Yeah. Who, who then who then like, yeah. Uh, so she was that a yep, lot so happens. Was a was an eaten baby. Um, and I guess it would be a stillborn, right? Because even though, yes, technically it's an endless loop. And I guess the baby's been in there for a long time in terms of growth it's only been in there for six months Mm -hmm. so it has another two months uh so i guess it does make sense um so yeah uh i don't know why i don't know why they had her eat the baby but uh, yeah it happened again (laughs) another baby eaten just another day on the paths of fear podcast we'll keep it we'll keep it up as a theme 
Just Google <laughs> baby eating movies. <laughs> but yeah, I, I noticed our lack of disgust in the in the audience, and I think I realized. Oh, I don't think people realize that she ate that baby. <laughs> um, um, but that is yeah, that's what happened. It was that was dis- it was disturbing to say well, the least. Speaking speaking of our audience, though, yeah, why don't we crack open some of these surveys? Yeah, um, why don't you tell me about them? <laughs> I I wanted to ask people how well they think they understood the movie because it's it can be kind of hard to wrap your head around uh people were more on the understanding side uh one person admitted that they on a scale of my brain broken to it was pretty obvious what was happening i'm no dummy uh a lot of people were sitting in the kind of six to eight range we have a, a three and a five but for the most part it's six to eight um so people were people understood pretty well they caught on pretty quick which i i enjoy i like that they were able to catch on um i think it definitely helped to have some like discourse within our chat during the movie i think that some people were able to help others understand better where some people mm-hmm. lacked uh just at different times um and while this one got higher ratings not an overall higher rating but it got higher ratings than the other mo- other movies have um it wasn't that it wasn't that high up on the scare factor it was we have lots we have few twos threes and fives and then a six and that's all we got um yep and i agree it wasn't too terrifying of a movie it was definitely unsettling at some points um but i think especially when she's when she's eating the flesh and you can hear the sound oh yeah you can tell that's not grass man that is not grass i don't know what that is but it's not grass all grass is fleshy and i don't know what to tell you um well <laughs> do you not feel like you're walking on a pile of corpses when you're mowing the lawn is it yeah it's funny you say that because during the movie they were stepping on this mud and it they kept like like the camera's always looking at the mud i don't know why but maybe it's to show how fleshy it is or something yeah so maybe um it was also a very and it's interesting that it was mud because it was a really hot area like the sun was blazing on them the whole day so it's interesting that it was all muddy um and i think it kind of yeah. speaks to like the area is alive in a different way than we would think um so another question i asked everyone was what which aspect scared you the most which i think we've kind of established uh what you're talking about it's a, the path of fear uh question what what exactly was scary about the movie the four options were uncertainty and strangers and the people you know because i feel like it was a lot of mistrust between people and mm-hmm. what exactly you're perceiving and what version Definitely. of someone you're meeting uh, the second being lost, unable to find your way or get any sense of orientation. Um, have you ever been truly lost in, have you been somewhere and been like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Uh, I can't say that I have. Um, I think in any situation where I could have been lost, there would have, there's been like another person who can like point me in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it has been weird before. Um, when I've been away from an area for a long time and like I have to sort of reorient myself but overall I have a pretty good sense of direction so I, yeah, I can't really say that I've ever been truly lost I have been truly lost just in a forest in Glacier National Park and it's actually kind of ter- it's terrifying to just be lost to have no sense of where you are um, it is one of the most unsettling feelings uh I hate the feeling of helplessness. Uh, I don't like the ocean because like if a shark wants to kill me in the ocean, I'm a goner. Mm -hmm. And the feeling of being lost is like being helpless 
in its entirety and it's the weirdest thing um yeah it is interesting too because within nature is your unique ability to be lost because most of us are raised you know in pretty um urbanized areas uh and and developed areas where there are streets and street names and buildings and landmarks uh but when you're just in a forest i mean who's to say that that tree looks any different than that tree yeah it's uh it takes practice to know how to navigate quite like that so another thing i asked was the grass seems uniquely alive and i should have said maybe the area seems uniquely alive but i think they got the gist of like there's some weird happenings here that are kind of in the supernatural yeah, the, realm i guess a sort of like a cultishness nature like is that scary exactly yeah um and then the last one was the death especially with the confusion of if it's quote-unquote real just seeing dead bodies scattered all over the place and not really knowing what to believe. Yep. Um, seeing one person dead and then alive the next. Um, that would have freaked me out for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've looked at the polls, Ian. Have you? Yeah, I'm actually I'm looking at it uh, right now. Gosh, I was going to make you guess, Ian. I hate you. Um, it's all right. <laughs> it's <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> I'll guess. I'm okay, guessing yeah. that 28.6% of people said uh, the death, oh, especially okay, the, okay. the confusion of if it's real. You're going all right so far. <laughs> <laughs> a lucky guess. A lucky. <laughs> but yeah, uh, over half of everyone was scared of being lost and unable to find their way, which uh, I don't know if it is a scary thing, just as it sounds. I'm curious as to how many people that answered that uh, have been in that situation and yeah no one said it the grass scared them being uniquely alive which makes me think i maybe should have rewarded it but that also while it's an interesting part of the movie it definitely wasn't i feel like it wasn't what scared you so much um mm -hmm. i put it up there as a possibility but i definitely feel like it wasn't the occultish nature that scared you um and then yeah the least one besides the one that wasn't voted on was the uncertainty in strangers and people you know i was surprised that that one wasn't voted more on because i hate not being able to get a read on someone i hate not being able to like even if i don't trust someone i at least understand them and i can like predict yeah. them to an extent um so just uncertainty in people like that makes me really uneasy so i was surprised that one wasn't voted on more well and especially because in the environment of this movie you come across i mean you're already lost mm -hmm. so you already have that fear so how does that compare when suddenly ross comes out of the woodwork and is like hey what's up you know that that could be a little that can yeah. be more unsettling because not only are you out of your elements, but now there's someone here who you don't know while you're also helpless. So yeah, I am surprised that it's, um, it's not as uh, scary in this environment. Yeah, for sure. Um, so our next question was what kind of way would you try to get out of the grass? And do you think you could uh, let's, uh, let's read through them and, Let's judge how well we think it would have worked. All right. The first one is use the sun to know the orientation so the grass can't teleport. Uh, All right. So this actually happened in the movie and it didn't work. <laughs> if you remember, Travis uh, was looking towards the sun um, when he noticed that it suddenly its position in the sky changed. Mm. So I guess you so. would have had to stare at the sun and blinded yourself to use. <laughs> yeah, but but the thing is, is that he was looking for it and then it changed position while he was looking at the sky and, and that scene is like what the hell oh uh, okay and that's yeah so he loses his orientation that way that's so that, uh all right this person dead mm -hmm. <laughs> no you're gone uh this next one says i don't think i could get out of it honestly uh it seems impossible without touching the rock like travis did um i think you would have gotten out 
<laughs> I don't know what to do. All right, dead. <laughs> uh, the next one, they also don't think they could. They have ideas. Close their eyes and just walk. No, you're dead. Um, <laughs> and they said, dance my way out instead of walking or running. You're also dead and tired. <laughs> uh, I like the creativity. I think there's there's some merit in being so unpredictable that you happen to go the right way so yeah uh who knows I, I was curious like can you accidentally walk out um and then but i think giving the rock some kind of will is what made that impossible because yeah. like the rock just won't let you out um, so if the if the rock lights dancing you might make it exactly uh this is the next one find a dead thing chop it up into a lot of pieces walk in a straight line drop a piece every few seconds mark where you drop it the field doesn't move dead things so eventually you can follow that line and get to the uh get out um kind of making it a finite space because it doesn't move dead things um Mm -hmm. what do you this this is the most feasible one that we've gotten so far what do you think it's actually very similar to my answer Uh, i guess i'll go ahead and say what what my idea was so the thing is i don't know how the grass treats bits of dead things Mm. so i was thinking what you do uh so say you know you're um i don't know your cow and you're with uh, Becky and and Tobin, okay? Mm-hmm. So what you do is, of course, you kill Tobin and Naturally. kill Becky. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, you need two dead things. And, and uh. here's, here's why. You see, if you... One way that I thought you could do it, you know, you pick up little dead Tobin, and you throw him, and then you go towards him, right? Because he, he can't move. But as soon as you pick him up, he's with you, the alive thing, and you can teleport. That means you have to have two dead things, one to anchor you and one to move, and you switch oh, them off. It's like that little, so, it's like that thing they make you do when you're a kid, like tear the newspaper in half and then. Yeah, and in this case, actually, you don't kill Tobin. You kill, uh, you kill Becky and Travis. You use their corpses, and then you have Tobin on your shoulders so that he can see where the okay. you know, where the building is. Yeah, and that's that's what you do, man. <laughs> I like it. Just it. requires uh, killing two two people. The only issue I would see with that one is, uh, I, well, I, the one thing is it can move all the space around it, so you definitely have to stay very close to dead things. Um, but as long as you're in line of sight, you should be okay. Um, the uh, the only thing I can see wrong with that would be the will of the rock. Um, it would send someone else out to pick up your crow pieces or something, drive them crazy to do that. Uh Mm. It, like it would try to prevent that in some manner uh either that or the rock just didn't see any point in moving dead things and it actually could it was just like why bother so that is interesting yeah um yeah and and, and this is a good answer uh but I, I would agree if you're dropping pieces if you're making a trail we did see evidence of it covering up the trail oh that's true yeah well, we uh, did we also see that. tobin burying the dead crow after he touched the rock. Oh, interesting. Yeah, does that do they actually address this already? They're just like, nope, someone buries it. That's um, why you gotta kill Becky and Travis. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and <laughs> maybe even Tobin just to be. Yes, to be. You got three corpses. <laughs> yeah. How can you get wrong? Impeccable. Um, overall, though, this I I'd say this is a definitely a, probably the most feasible way to get out. Yep, you live. <laughs> yeah, I I you're most likely to live. Um. <laughs> <laughs> this i definitely would not make it out rock too pretty not to touch i guess you live but under the rocks belief system. all right join the cult yeah 
That's one option. Uh, seeing as I have gotten lost in amazement for children, which have pre-made paths, I doubt I would be able to even comprehend what was happening. And in the end, just give up and cry while grass impregnates me or a dilf comes and kills me with his big, strong grass arms. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if those are ways you want to go, then you're set. But you definitely die. <laughs> Oh gosh. I love the use of DILF here. Oh yeah, DILF was uh, probably Ross. the most commonly used word in the chat. Um <laughs> Someone else says I would stomp down the grass stalks to make paths and use a sense position to figure the direction to the road, but presumably supernatural blade would always return to this return me to the standing stone. Um we saw that the grass corrects itself, so that doesn't quite work. Yeah. Travis tried it and we talked yeah, about the sun, the sun position. again, yeah. Yeah, so you're dead. Sorry yeah um here we go this is the last one would you resort to cannibalism under what circumstances and does this change if itself can you know would you resort to cannibalism would i well uh well i guess it's under what circumstances yeah right uh here's my circumstances um one i'm starving okay that's a good one two uh i'm uh, cannibalizing someone that i do not like I, I like the idea of you just crashing in a plane and the first thing you're like is we gotta eat him <laughs> <laughs> we, gotta eat, we gotta eat steve man but we still have rations no steve <laughs> steve's, steve's gotta, gotta die <laughs> it's been two hours <laughs> i'm freaking hungry dude you still have like five granola bars <laughs> i need meat they suck <laughs> Of course, me being yeah, me being vegan, I'm gonna go straight for Steve, man. I don't have time for granola bars. Yeah, all right, yeah, but uh, so yeah, my my conditions are that I I have a couple of scenarios. So one is, um, I'm with a person who I specifically do not like, and I'm starving, and they're starving and also very weak, and I can kind of just hit them on the head from behind and be like, all right, time to time to go to Chowtown. All right, um. And then another condition would be it's someone who I either like or don't mind, in which case I will wait. And if they happen to die and I am starving, then I will eat them. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Those are my conditions. So you won't commit murder if it's someone you like, but otherwise you will murder. Or even if I don't mind. (laughs) It has to be someone I do not like. Oh, okay. That you have to specifically dislike them. I see. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> like like steve so, yeah. fuck steve dude i will I'm make killing sure steve i'm eating him i'm gonna make sure not to get on your bad side <laughs> <laughs> watch out yeah. if you um, hear my stomach rumbling from behind you <laughs> personally i would resort to cannibalism uh i'd do it pretty quick too i'd say uh i would definitely be the first guy that's just like we should probably start eating people now um <laughs> <laughs> group meeting <laughs> yeah Group meeting except you, Steve. You're not invited. <laughs> you stay there. We got to talk about something. Um, uh, I like, of course, if it's not just like, if it's not necessary, I wouldn't do it. Um, I wouldn't, I agree. I probably wouldn't murder someone I like to do it. And I would definitely be willing to sacrifice myself for people to eat me if it came down to it. I'd have to really like those people though. Um, yeah. They'd have to show up to all my birthday parties, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh the and the last part of it is does this change if it's self cannibalism uh so yeah w- if would you self cannibalize at all Ian? i just don't see the utility in that if i'm already starving like it, what's it gonna do to eat parts of me it doesn't help i don't even have the energy to repair myself yeah it, do- it doesn't help uh and i think the only situation where it's feasible 
is if like you lost an arm and have it or on hand on hand. <laughs> um or if you just had a baby uh, that's also an oh option. yeah it's just counting down those nine months until a good meal yeah, um, we should ask that will you eat your baby <laughs> at, at this point i feel like so much of our audience would say yes <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm pretty desensitized to it. No, yeah, <laughs> uh, another baby, another day. Yeah, <laughs> can always make another. Actually, mama bears do that. If they uh, if they're in a situation where they don't think they're gonna survive and they have their cubs, they will eat their cubs because they know their cubs won't survive, but they can have more cubs later. So mama oh, bears, they're young. So maybe we should take we should take after mama bears. Maybe we should start <laughs> eating our babies. Yeah. yeah. Um. So would you resort to cannibalism? One person just said no. They won't do it. That's fine. Uh, that's fair. Right. Yes. Yep. Get it. Uh, the next one, I'd eat someone else if I was hungry enough and they had just died, but I don't know if I'd eat myself, though. That's fair. I think that's about that's where we're That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This one said, I'm not sure. Maybe if someone was already dead, but recently enough that they hadn't started rotting, and if I could cook them and was going to definitely die otherwise. Honestly, though, I would be terrified that I had Kurtzfeldt Jacob disease the rest of my life. As far as self-cannibalism, I think it's safe to say I would absolutely not have the willpower for that. Although I did mm -hmm. once have a dream that I had to eat parts of myself, mostly my thigh muscle, to try to escape an evil wizard's maze and try to save my siblings. Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're in an evil wizard's maze, you'll resort to self-cannibalism. It's fair. Eat your thigh. Yeah. yeah that's what that means. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think that one's uh, that one makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so. it's a well thought out one. Uh, as for the disease, I would take the disease for the rest of my life if I'm in surviving, but I would agree it'd be scary. Um yeah, you probably would think about it. And it would make sense to cook them, because that would be rough if you didn't cook them. I mean, imagine also being like a doctor, and you just have to be testing for that disease, and it's positive, and you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I've got a freaking cannibalism in my He just like looks over his room. clipboard, and he's like, oh god. What am I <laughs> he, he, he hears a stomach rumbling behind yeah. him. <laughs> um, this, so the next person, I've thought of about this a lot actually yes i would provided that the people are already dead and i have no other options as for self-cannibalism yeah but if i'm eating pieces of myself while still trying to escape the field i'm dead soon anyway let's be honest that's fair that's i didn't necessarily want to put you in the field but yeah i'd say just if you're trying to survive don't yeah we're, we're really talking about like um just like in a uh, like a potluck but everyone forgot to bring foods everyone just brought like mm. plates and drinks and so now there's no food, and I mean, you gotta start eating people by, at some point. Um, so th this might be applicable to real life. Yeah. <laughs> this, this next person says, "No, I would eat grass if I got hungry, unless I can cook the human meat." Uh, I need fair. to cook it. I see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, they can't expose themselves to nasty flavoring. Yes. <laughs> it's all about the flavoring. Yeah. Imagine if someone's like, if I had salt and pepper yeah, handy, definitely. What seasonings I have. <laughs> Wouldn't be good with like a garlic <laughs> onion, but you give me a crushed red pepper. There you go. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. Um all right. If I were in a situation where cannibalism was a viable option, I highly doubt I'd be able to go through the act of consuming another person, whether they be alive or dead. Having to see someone go through pain or to be prepared for consumption is just too much. In short, I would much rather die than have to be pushed to the point of consuming another person. Uh, they don't know what they do in the actual situation, um, but right now they are just vibing, eating toast, and drinking tea, so they would say no in this moment. Um, there you go. It's easy to say no when you're eating eating toast and drinking tea. Yeah, so. that is better than people, probably. Um, I don't know if it's quite as filling, but it's got to be good. <laughs> uh, 
That is, I think that's 100% fair. And I like that answer a lot because like, yeah, it does take a toll on you emotionally. And I think that's important to realize. And I, some people it affects more than others. So I think it's Certainly. important to know that yeah, yes, I, there's more to it than just survival. Yeah. And, and, and if it did come down to this, I think the vast majority of people will be changed deeply for the rest of their, oh, yes. for the rest of their lives. Um, I mean, having to go through just starvation in general is traumatic, but having to also uh, eat another person, mm -hmm. uh, whether or not you killed them, uh, you know, like that is just that's messed up. And I don't even know what's more disturbing, like preparing a body or just just diving in because you're starving. Like what, what would kill me is thinking back on it because you can't put something in your mouth without tasting it. And. Like, if I had to eat a family member, like, just thinking, like, sister. Oh, my God. Like, just knowing the texture of my sister's meat on my tongue, that would kill me. Like, when it sounds, it sounds so weird coming out of my mouth. But that's because it'd be so weird to do. Like, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, uh, that's something you would never forget. Yeah, exactly. And that's a thought that's going to rattle in your head every day from there on out. Um, The yeah. texture Man. of what someone you knew tasted like. Um, The... The last one, never for weird ritual purpose, purposes as this movie shows. Probably for survival purposes such as in Cannibal, the musical. Self-cannibalism, possibly in a situation like Stephen King's story, Survivor Type. I don't know Stephen King's story, Survivor Type, so I can't speak to that. Um, but, and I don't know Cannibal, yeah. the musical. But, he sounds like they're in the same boat. To survive, yes, self-cannibalism, very iffy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I, well, I'm curious, what made you ask this question? Is this from the whole baby eating incident? It was the baby eating thing, yeah, but it was also in a starvation situation, which I feel like they're kind of brinking on, was uh, I feel like that the cannibalism is always an option that people look to. It's always like they're starving, does cannibalization begin? They didn't quite touch on so much in this movie uh, survival expectations, like Mm -hmm. They didn't have a need for survival from like elements and thirst and hunger so much as they did just from each other. Um, but the presence of it was definitely still real and it would be real in a situation like this, I think. So, yeah. Any last thoughts you have, Ian? Yeah, I guess with this movie, it's it, it's really interesting. I think it's I think it's a very unique one, which I uh, which is what made me rate it highly. Mm -hmm. um, using time, I think, is quite interesting. Uh, I think the only thing where I guess it lost points with me or I didn't really get points was with uh, it just comes down to the characters again. Like the characters are good. Um, I like Travis. I like Ross. Those are probably my two favorite characters in this movie. I've also Tobin. I like mm -hmm. Tobin. Tobin is pretty great. But I don't know. I would have liked to see a little more uh, just from a dialogue perspective, a character development perspective. Okay. Um but otherwise, I think it's a really interesting movie. Um, it's it, it and I do like how it messes with time to sort of add an element to the the helplessness, the the lostness. Mm. Uh, it's quite interesting. Yeah, uh, I'd agree. It's uh, overall definitely worth a watch. So go check it out on Netflix if you haven't. And if you're interested in joining our audience. Uh, please follow the Discord link in our description. And we stream on Twitch 
uh, Wednesdays, Saturdays at 7.06 Mountain Standard Time. That's p.m. because I don't wake up early. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we uh, we just have a good time all around. We hope to see some of y'all there. Thanks for listening. Au revoir.